If you have your Bibles, we'll be in, not Esther this week, we'll be back in Esther next week. Uh, I just thought it would be appropriate to, with, in light of Thanksgiving coming up this Thursday, that we focus our hearts on giving thanks to the Lord for everything that he's done for us. Um, especially during this time, I think it's especially appropriate to look at our hearts to see if we have a thankful heart or if we have a grumbling heart. So let's turn to his word and let's first look to him in prayer before we begin. Father, we thank you for your word. Uh, Would your truth sanctify our hearts now as we look to your word uh, to help us grow into Christ-likeness. We pray for your spirit illumination upon us that we would be able to grasp these truths and to turn it back to you in praise. We thank you. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. So the title of this message is A Thankful Heart. A Thankful Heart. A quick Google search that I've done uh, for positive things that happened in 2020 resulted in the top search listing out 50 things. I'm only going to share the top thing on that list. It was this, a 103-year-old grandma beat COVID-19 and celebrated with the Bud Light. She decided to drink after she was uh, cured from COVID or lived through COVID. I did another Google search for jokes about 2020, and they came up with this. Why did the chicken cross the road? Because the chicken behind it didn't know how to socially distance properly. Another one, two grandmothers were bragging about their precious darlings. One of them says to the other, mine are so good at social distancing, they won't even call me. (laughs) Another one, my mom always told me I wouldn't accomplish anything by lying in bed all day, but look at me now, I'm saving the world. (laughs) And just one more, if I keep stress eating at this level, the buttons on my shirt will start socially distancing from each other. (laughs) But not to make light of what's happening, I know this year has been filled with a lot of hurt, a lot of pain, a lot of loss and fear and confusion and anxiety and worry and brokenness. 2020 has been an interesting year to say the least. But because of that, it will also be a very memorable year. We will all remember 2020. So what will we take away from this year? What will we have learned this year, and what have we learned so far? God is doing something, so what have we learned? Maybe we have learned that it's been difficult to trust in God. Maybe we have learned that our hope is in other things. Maybe we have learned of fears we never thought we had. Maybe we have learned that our faith is a little shaky. Maybe we have learned that we need to depend on God more. Maybe we have learned that it's not always clear what God wants us to do. What's God's will for our lives? And I've heard that question raised a lot. What is God's will for my life? How am I supposed to know? God has told us what his will is in his word. So that's where we're going to look. Our attention will primarily be on God's revealed will. In other words, what he demands of people, as opposed to God's decretive will, which is what he will do, what God will do and accomplish. So this is by no means a comprehensive study of God's will. What we will be doing is taking more of a broad and general approach. So we will be looking at a lot of selected scriptures, but we will focus on one specific verse 
in greater detail. So I want to encourage us to press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. Philippians 3.14, I want us to focus our minds on who Christ is and what Christ has done for us. And I want to hopefully help us to understand that God's will is not some mysterious thing. It's not something to search for outside of his word, but it's rather it's revealed in his word. And my prayer is that we would be those who live in obedience to his will from our hearts. How important is this? How important is this? Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. First John chapter 2, verse 17. The world is passing away, and also its lust, but the one who does the will of God lives forever. How important is this? Eternal life and eternal death implications. This has future and present consequences. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 17 says, Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. We want to be those who are not foolish, but wise and careful about how we live and to understand what the will of the Lord is. So what is the will of the Lord for us? Let's first look at God's will for Jesus to be reminded of what Christ has done and of who we are in Christ. God's will is for Jesus to save and secure his people. We see that in John chapter 6, verses 38 through 40. It says, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that of all that he has given me, I lose nothing but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise him up on the last day. Galatians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4 says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins so that he might rescue us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father. God's will is to save his people and to secure his people through the work of Christ. God's will is also to sanctify his people. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 3 says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. Sanctification has the idea of being set apart from sin to God. And here Paul has in mind the progressive growth in holiness that is to be occurring in the life of every Christian believer, specifically in the area of sexual purity. God cares about the sexual purity of his people. His will is also to renew our thinking and therefore influence our actions. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove, you may live out what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. 
God's will is proven when we live according to his word. If we want to know God's will, we have to know God's word. God's will includes the suffering of his people. 1 Peter 4.19 Therefore, those also who suffer according to the will of God shall entrust their souls to a faithful creator in doing what is right. God's will includes the submission of his people. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 through 15. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to a king as the one in authority or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. For such is the will of God that by doing right, you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. God's will regards the heart of his people as well. Ephesians 6 Verse 6, slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling in the sincerity of your heart as to Christ, not by way of eye service as men pleasers, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. God's will is for his people to depend upon him. Psalm 143 verse 10 says, teach me to do your will. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. And Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 12 says, For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. What is God's will for believers? It includes Jesus saving us and protecting us. If we just think about that for just a slight moment, God's will was for Jesus to come here to save us, to redeem us, and to protect us eternally. That's God's will. It involves sanctifying us, that we would look to his word to renew our thinking, that we would live in accordance with his word, and that we would keep ourselves sexually pure. It involves suffering by entrusting ourselves to God and responding rightly when suffering comes. It involves submission, rightly responding to those placed over us. It involves our hearts, sincerity in our actions. And it involves our dependence on God in prayer and His Spirit's work in our lives. God's will is revealed in His Word and is to be lived out in obedience to His Word. Do we see that? Now I want to focus on God's will and giving thanks. God's will and giving thanks. Who here is thankful for the coronavirus? Laura is. Who here has found 2020 to be the most thankful year of their lives? Laura again. (laughs) (laughs) Who here is thankful for the redefining of marriage and the family? Who here is thankful for the murder of countless lives in the womb? Who here has found it especially difficult to be thankful in this season of life? 
more hands. I'm not saying that we need to be thankful for sin or for that which is evil, but we can give thanks that God has provided a solution to sin. We can be thankful that more of God's perfections are displayed through what is evil. We can be thankful that God is good. Can you see that as we focus on God, it becomes much easier to give thanks than when we focus on our circumstances. That when we focus on God's word and his wisdom and how to live and act, that we always have reason to give thanks. First Thessalonians 5, verses 16 through 18 says, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. What is God's will for my life? Giving thanks and being thankful is part of God's will for you in Christ Jesus. We also see this in Colossians chapter 3, verses 15 through 17. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. This is God's will for our lives, and we have much reason as Christians to give thanks. In fact, we have always in all things reasons to give thanks. Let's now look at 1 Thessalonians 5.18. The context, this letter was written to the church of the Thessalonians by the Apostle Paul. This is a group of new believers who were quickly brought into the faith and then quickly faced persecution. You can jot down Acts chapter 17 and go back there and read it later, but Acts chapter 17, verses 1 through 9 specifically. So in the first chapter, we see thanks being given for the Thessalonians for their testimony, despite facing persecution. The Apostle Paul expressed his thanks to God through prayer for what he has done and what he's continuing to do in the lives of these people within that church. In chapters 2 and 3, we see reminders being given to the Thessalonians. And in the last two chapters, 4 and 5, we see exhortations given to the Thessalonians in which we find the exhortation to give thanks. So what did they need to be reminded of? They needed to be reminded not to be disturbed by their afflictions. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 3 and 4. They needed to be reminded how love worked its way out towards others, especially those who persecute them. 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 12. They needed to be reminded how now, or the present, relates to the future return of Jesus. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 13. They needed to know how far to take Paul's exhortations toward godly living. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. They needed to know how to conduct themselves within the church in light of the Lord's return. 1 Thessalonians 5. And don't we likewise, as a church, need to be reminded of these exact same things in our day? Don't we need to be reminded not to be disturbed with the problems and difficulties that are around us? Don't we need to be reminded to love others, especially those who persecute us? 
Don't we need to be reminded to take our walk with God seriously? Don't we need to be reminded how each member is to help the body grow? Paul encourages them to excel still more in 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 1. And don't we need the same encouragement? Encouragement to increase in our love for one another and to rejoice and to pray without ceasing and to always give thanks. These are priorities for godly living in light of the coming day of the Lord. It is written in this context, and this is where we find 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 18. We're going to look at three things. First, we're going to look at the scope, the comprehensiveness, the extent of giving thanks. Secondly, we're going to look at the actual imperative or command to give thanks. And lastly, we're going to look at the reason or purpose to give thanks. So first, the scope, the comprehensiveness, the extent of giving thanks. Verse 18, we see that in the first two words. In everything. In everything, not just before we eat and not just after the trials. This is comprehensive in scope. This is not conditional upon any circumstances. This includes all of life. This is as you are going through life, which will include trials and temptations, times of plenty and times of need, joy and sorrow. There are no exceptions when it comes to in everything. This communicates that our lives as Christians should be characterized by giving thanks. That's the extent of giving thanks. Secondly, we're going to look at the imperative or command to give thanks. We see this in the next two words in verse 18. Give thanks. To give thanks is to express appreciation for benefits or blessings. To acknowledge that every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. James chapter 1, verse 17. Thankfulness is a trait of the true believer because it requires someone to give thanks to, and that's God. Christians direct their thanks back to God, recognizing that all things are from him and through him and to him. Romans 11.36. Thanklessness towards God, on the other hand, is a characteristic of an unbeliever. Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 21 reads, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness because that which is known about God is evident within them. For God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so they are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks. But they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. They are recipients of God's common grace. Psalm 145 verse 9 says, The Lord is good to all. The Lord is good to all. Yet they refused to acknowledge that every good thing they enjoyed came from God. So let's take a closer look at these two words, give thanks. And here I want to mention that how looking at the original language, or here the Greek word can be a helpful tool and resource 
and can help enrich your own personal study of the Word of God. There are websites and programs that can give you all this information without having to learn a minute of Greek. So even though some of this can be determined through the use of English grammar, it's not always consistent with the Greek grammar and how they translate it in our Bibles. So if you were to look it up, you would find that this is a verb. So this indicates action. It's not just a feeling, but this is an action of giving thanks. It is in the present tense. So this indicates continual action. This is not occasionally giving thanks. This is continually giving thanks. This is our lives being characterized by giving thanks. It is in the active voice. So this indicates that you are the one doing the action. You are the one that's giving thanks. It is in the imperative mood, which indicates that this is a command to be obeyed. This is not a suggestion. This is not for your consideration. This is not based upon your own mood or how you're feeling. This is a command. It is in the second person plural, you all. So this indicates that this includes every single believer. Every single believer is to give thanks in everything. Are you and are we continually, actively giving thanks with our lives? Are our lives characterized by giving thanks? And are we as a church known as a giving thanks church? Are we expressing appreciation for the benefits and blessings from God? This is a lifestyle, everyday living command. There is no time, again, where this does not apply. But you just don't understand. You don't know how hard it is. It's just not fair what's happening. I know. We all know. I fall short of this all the time. We fall short of this all the time. But God's word still says, in everything, give thanks. A lot easier said than done, for sure. That is why we need to look to God and depend on him to help us, which is part of his will for us. Lastly, let's look at the reason, the purpose, the motivation for giving thanks. We see that in the last phrase. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It is God's will that believers give thanks in Christ Jesus. It is God's will that his redeemed people give him the glory that he alone deserves. Being thankful to God for his provision brings him glory because it demonstrates our dependence on him and our adoration of his good care towards us. We sang earlier, the sun comes up, it's a new day dawning. It's time to sing your song again. We're thankful for each day that the Lord gives us. Whatever may pass and whatever lies before me, let me be singing when the evening comes. You're rich in love and you're slow to anger. This is who God is. Your name is great and your heart is kind. For all your goodness, I will keep on singing. 10,000 reasons for my heart to find. And I wouldn't even change that to unending reasons for my heart to find. Spurgeon says, quote, here's a standing reason for Thanksgiving. Although we may not always be healthy, nor always prosperous, yet God is always good. And therefore, there's always 
a sufficient argument for giving thanks unto God. That he is a good God essentially, that he cannot be otherwise than good, should be a fountain out of which the richest praises should perpetually flow from us. Okay, I understand now that this is God's will for my life. But what does that look like? What does that look like? First, we have to address the heart and mind. For that is where proper praise and thanksgiving flows from. God's will for us cannot be separated from knowing his word and obeying his word. We are to, John chapter 4, worship him in spirit and truth. We have to ask, is there something that is going on in my heart that is preventing me or robbing me of giving thanks in everything? Perhaps it has to do with contentment or maybe a sense of entitlement that is getting in the way. Or it could be bitterness towards someone or even the church in the past that has left a bitter taste in her mouth. Maybe it's the current circumstances that we're in. We can ask, is there a pattern of unconfessed sin in my own life that's hindering my fellowship with God? How does God's word instruct me to respond to the things that are going on in my heart and to the things that are happening around me? We look to God and his word. What does God's word tell me is true? Philippians 4 verse 8. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on those things. Dwell on those things. Remember, as Christians, we are not alone. We are not alone. Not only do we have his word to guide us, but we have one another. We have one another. We have the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. We have Christ abiding in us. We have a God who is with us and for us, so who can be against us? We can meditate upon Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 and 16. We have a great high priest who can sympathize with all our weaknesses. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. God's mercy and God's grace produces thanksgiving within us. Also, keep in mind that we live in a sin-cursed world that is made up of sinful people. So we shouldn't let that hold us back or bring us down or surprise us. We have been saved by the good news and we have the good news to spread out. Satan can tempt us to despair and tell us of the guilt within, but upward we should look and see him there who made an end to all our sin. We are to turn our focus heavenward to God and look to him. Remember that our praise and thanksgiving requires someone to direct that praise and thanksgiving to, namely that's God. Have a heavenly mindset. And this verse, again, is in the context of the coming day of the Lord. In a recent blog article, John MacArthur writes, While we do not yet live physically in heaven, 
we do have our spiritual citizenship in the heavenly realm. Therefore, we should be preoccupied with heavenly things. This means looking ahead to eternity and living in the expectation of a sure and certain hope. It means looking away from the mundane and temporal and fixing our eyes steadfastly on him who is the glory and centerpiece of heaven. Those who live with this heavenly perspective discover abundant life as God intended it here on earth. That is where our hearts should be. When we are looking upward and forward, we can always give thanks. That is why the Apostle Paul writes in Philippians 4, verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice. Thomas Watson, a Puritan preacher and author, says, Be thankful for Christ. God has done more for you and giving you Christ than if he had made you angels or had given you the whole world. God cannot give a greater gift than Christ, who is all in all. So instead of asking, why is this happening? Ask, how should I respond in accordance to God's word, which is where God's will is revealed to us? He wants us to remain steadfast and faithful in obedience to him, no matter what is happening, and be able to look to him and give him thanks. And if you are here today or listening via live stream and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you're thinking to yourself, what is God's will for me? First Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4 says, God, our Savior, desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. All men here does not mean all without exception, that everyone will believe, but all without distinction. All kinds of men, all kinds of sinners, all people groups. Second Peter 3 verse 9 says, The Lord is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. His desire is for you to come to his one and only son, Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send the son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. He who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. Come to him in repentance and faith, believing and trusting that Jesus has come from God the Father into this world to save sinners, to take the place and bear the wrath of God for those who believe in him, in his perfect life, his death on the cross, and resurrection from the grave, and your heart will be filled with thankfulness to Christ. For us here who have benefited and been blessed with the greatest gift and treasure that anyone could ever ask for, Jesus Christ, let us be reminded and encouraged and exhorted here to give thanks in everything, for this is the will of God for us in Christ Jesus. And to close with the lyrics of another song, my heart is filled with thankfulness. My heart is filled with thankfulness to him who bore my pain, who plumbed the depths of my disgrace and gave me life again, who crushed 
my curse of sinfulness and clothed me in his light and wrote his law of righteousness with power upon my heart. My heart is filled with thankfulness to him who walks beside, who floods my weaknesses with strength and causes fears to fly, whose every promise is enough for every step I take, sustaining me with arms of love and crowning me with grace. My heart is filled with thankfulness to him who reigns above, whose wisdom is my perfect peace, whose every thought is love. For every day I have on earth is given by the king. So I will give my life, my all, to love and follow him. We are able to give thanks in everything because we are in Christ Jesus. We are to rejoice in him, in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice. We have every reason to be thankful, no matter what is happening around us or our current circumstances, because it only takes a moment for us to look to him to know what we deserve, and what he's given to us instead. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, for the encouragement, for the reminder of what Christ has done for us and how our hearts should be flowing with great praise and thanksgiving for what he has done for us. Thank you for the exhortation to our hearts to to always be giving thanks in everything, for this is your will for us. This is how you desire for your children, for your people to live and to obey. And so I pray that our hearts would be moved to look at the 10,000 or unending reasons for us as Christians to be able to give thanks to you. I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.